0: This is Baseball Tonight, the podcast.
1: This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Thursday, February 15, 2024. And today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney. Sean is working in California. This was already aligned to be a big podcast. We're going to hear from both World Series managers, Bruce Bochy, the Rangers, Tori Lovello of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks. We have major breaking news from one camp already and free agents are still coming off the board. But the big news today, Schwink Studios are officially transitioning into a nursery. Taylor Schwink is a dad, Taylor. Congratulations to you and Courtney.
2: Thank you, thank you. That was a clever, clever turn there with your your phrasing. You're a true wordsmith. Uh, I really appreciate you. Uh, You you know, Buster, we were having Tori Lovello on today and we, we recorded this preview a little bit early, or this interview, I should say. And uh, that was when my wife was pregnant, and you were very concerned about the timing of it, and you know, making sure you weren't disrupting anything at home. And my wife was beaming; she's like, "Buster is my guy; he's got my back." And you know, for a second, I think you might have, you know, outranked her in the power rankings in the showing Studios over here. But um, the baby has has been born; she arrived five weeks early. We were driving to New York City and had to literally turn around. Um, and uh, didn't really know she was coming until we made it back to the hospital in West Hartford. So uh, exciting times, uh, very sudden, very quick process, and uh, we are just absolutely elated. So I I wanted to get this show put together and out the door as we are back in our regular season cadence starting on Monday, Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for the most part. And uh, yeah, we're we're excited for the new season, but I'm excited to be a dad, man. I'm ready for some tips and some tricks from you and Hembo and anyone who's got them. I'm open for business over here.
1: Well, I can see you're beaming. I don't, you know, it's obviously what you're comfortable with. Can you give some details on your on uh, your child's name?
2: Yeah, Lola Rose Schwink. Oh, my gosh, I buried the lead there. This will be a common theme, <laughs> theme today, I think. Yeah, Lola Rose, uh, you know, we had the whole, we had a long list of names, boiled it down to a final four. I had a favorite. My wife had a favorite. This was sort of the compromise name. And, uh, you know, once, once you slap a name on him, you're like, that's perfect. How could we ever name her anything else? She's amazing. So... Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're so excited and happy. And, um, and I'm a scatterbrain mess today. So we, we got to do the show and then I'm, I'm, I'm hitting it on paternity leave for five weeks and I'll be back before opening day.
1: Yeah, you are absolutely beaming. And while you're away, Sean Bartley is stepping in, correct? Sean, you want to join us and tell us, uh, uh, you know, join the conversation here. Sure thing, man. First off, Taylor, I just want to say congratulations to you and the new addition to the family. Um, I'm really looking forward to, really growing the Baseball Tonight podcast with Buster and learning everything about baseball um, and just having a great time. So I'm just really looking forward to everything. So we're going to miss you, Taylor, but can't wait to have you back at the same time. (laughs) Yeah, we'll be hanging in there without you, Taylor. And uh, if you ever like, you know, are losing your mind because of what uh, is going on in Oriol land, then uh, always feel free to call in while you're uh, rocking your daughter to sleep. (laughs)
2: <laughs> Call that's hey good little tease there, Buster. We have a big announcement in the Bleacher Tweets. As if this show could not get any bigger, huge Bleacher Tweet announcement at the end of the show. Be sure to stick around or, or scroll through for that.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, again, congratulations. Very excited for you. We did have big injury news with Taylor's team, the Baltimore Orioles, this morning. General Manager Mike Elias announced that right-hander Kyle Bradish has been diagnosed with a sprained ulnar collateral ligament in his right elbow. He's going to open the season on the injured lists. It's obviously uncertain when he's going to come back. And he also told reporters that John Means is behind schedule as he prepares for the 2024 season and that Gunnar Henderson is behind schedule because of an oblique injury. So for the Orioles, not a good start to spring training. We'll have some conversation coming up here about whether or not there's some available players in the market that might help them. In Yankees camp, Aaron Boone speaking out what everybody knows this is kind of a must-win year for the yankees
3: we're hell-bent on being a champion and you know we understand very well that last year was not anything anyone in this organization wants or demands or expects and i would say we have poured into that from ownership to the front office to the coaches and staff, all the way to the players that I do feel like we have prepared properly. We are ready to roll. But again, we got to show you. I'm going to talk to you guys every single day. And anything I say now, next week, next month, into the season, we got to go prove it. So I think we have a chance to be a really special team. That's all it is right now. We got to go show the world that we're as good as we think we can
1: be. Big news coming in from the Oakland Athletics. Shan Kavnar is going to make history as their new play-by-play announcer on NBC Sports California. She's a friend of the pod, and we're going to have her on and talk to her about this in just a few minutes. An interesting story came out the other day. Major League Baseball is going to enforce the obstruction rule around bases. The bases, uh, while we did have that major rule change you know, more than a decade ago on blocking home plate, That rule really hadn't been enforced around the bases. Well, this year, it's going to be. Last week, the Rays extended the contract of manager Kevin Cash and also president of baseball operations Eric Neander, who's considered to be one of the best in the sport. Adoles Garcia avoided arbitration, two-year, $14 million deal. The San Francisco Giants signed outfielder Jorge Soler, three years, $42 million. You're going to hear what Paul Mbikides has to say about that. The Mets say that a contract extension with star first baseman Pete Alonso is unlikely before free agency. He negotiated a one-year $20.5 million deal for 2024. He'll be a free agent in the fall. Former Mets general manager Billy Epler was suspended for fabricating injuries. This is something which I think happens with a lot of organizations, but Epler winds up going on the disqualified list through the 2024 season. And Corey Kluber, one of the great pros in baseball, announced that he's retiring. He was a two-time Cy Young Award winner, the first with Cleveland in 2014 when he was 18-9 and with a 2.44 ERA. He won the award again in 2017. Taylor, what else you got? As if there's anything else in your life.
2: If there's anything else in my life, anything else that we could we could possibly squeeze into this podcast, I will mention uh, our fearless producer here, Sean Bartley. He spearheaded the College Game Day podcast yesterday. They talked to Nebraska head coach Matt Rule. I have not listened to one second of the interview because I was feeding my baby and uh, taking her to doctor's appointments, but I'm positive it was an excellent interview with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. You can listen to that, the College Game Day podcast, on this platform or on YouTube.
1: We're driven by the search for better. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your job's more visibility at indeed.com/buster. Just go to indeed.com/buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. indeed.com/buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The NFL schedule drops this week. And you can be there to catch all the action, live and in person, with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. That's vividseats.com com today. Code baseball. Vivid seats. Experience it live.
0: Jumping into the numbers.
1: numbers. This is Hembo Knows on Baseball Tonight. Hembo, of course, is Paul Mbikides, who became a father last year. He knows what uh, Taylor is going through two years ago. Uh, he knows exactly what Taylor is going through. Uh, Hembo, I'm going to give you the floor. You give some advice to Taylor.
4: Mm, well, I know um, I know twice what Taylor's going through because I you know I go two at a time. Taylor, uh, like like so many of us, just goes one at a time for uh, reasons unbeknownst to me. But Taylor, my <laughs> advice to you will be this: you will receive advice from everyone, and my advice would be take none of it. All right, trust your gut trust your feel. Only you can do you. You parent that baby girl as best you can and do all the reading that you want. Receive as much feedback as you want. But at the end of the day, you're the one that has to do the work. And my advice from having done this now for a year and a half with two baby girls is that my wife and I, we make the best decisions independent of everyone else's opinions. So that would be my two cents.
2: Yeah. That's pretty interesting, Hembo, because you're such an analytics-driven guy. So to, to hear you say, listen to your gut, I mean, that 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 comes across as pretty consequential to me.
4: Oh, look, I mean, if I'm building a baseball team, I don't, I don't need to watch the games. I can just look at the spreadsheet. But look, I, I don't I don't build a family the way that I do a baseball team. I mean, th- mm. these, these things are, are separate matters, Taylor. But, uh, you know, we, we can offline this. I do have a lot of reading material for you if you'd like to go that direction. But if you don't, like I said, just, you know, just trust that gut of yours.
1: Hambo, I think you'll agree with me on this. I'm going to tell Taylor, give him a warning on this is mm-hmm. that he's now officially in the countdown for the one of the coolest moments of your life, which is as your baby is, the, you know, his, her sight is beginning to clear. In your case, obviously her. Uh, mm-hmm. After about five or six weeks, you will go in one morning into the crib and you'll look over the edge of the crib and your daughter will look at you with the biggest smile of recognition and go, yeah. And that is one of the coolest things you will ever feel. Yes. And in addition to that moment, Taylor, the
4: one that has resonated with me is the time in which you hear them say dada for the first time, because that all of a sudden makes you think, OK, so what I'm saying around them matters. They recognize who I am and they can articulate it. That's when things have really, really started to go downhill. Taylor. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, my God. Buster, I, I've actually, because you've mentioned that to Hembo, you know, we've been doing this for a couple of years now, and you've mentioned that a lot of times to, to new parents, and I have been thinking about it, actually, independent of you bringing it up here. So I'm excited for that moment. You know, even, even just the random smile. I know she does not know who the heck I am, but I, I still really enjoy that. So I can't imagine actual recognition in her eyes.
1: Oh, it's the greatest. Man, oh, man. All right. Uh, enough kid talk (laughs) (laughs) podcast. All right. The Giants signed Jorge Soler the other day, three years and $42 million, a long overdue move for the Giants. What say you Hembo? Uh,
4: I say this is a great decision for them. I mean, this is obviously a a player with enormous raw power. It's 132 homers over the last five seasons last year. He was in the 94th percentile and expected slugging. And I think what makes him perhaps more than any other, a great fit there. In a very difficult ballpark in which to homer, is his track record of doing just that. He hit 16 homers um, in Miami last season at Lone Depot, just at their ballpark. That was most in a season for any player since 2017 when Ozuna and Stanton did that. All mm-hmm. right, five years ago, he set the Royals' single season home run record, hit 21 that year at Kauffman Stadium, also a cavern, which is tied for second in a season in the history of that ballpark. And lastly, over the last five years, Buster, there are 53 players with at least 100 home runs. Solaire's average home run distance is 415 feet. It is second highest in that group, behind only Ronald Acuna Jr. So, wow. if you're going to chase home runs in the fourth most difficult ballpark, it is in which to homer. You got to find a guy with enormous raw power, and Jorge Soler has exactly that.
1: You know what's amazing is how you know as you know earlier in this winter they traded Mitch Haniger back to the Seattle Mariners. He basically had this the contract that Solaire now gets. I think so wasn't Haniger three for forty five and Solaire comes in three for forty two and you know I I like the signing and and I know this the agents are like woohoo the Giants are involved in the offseason. Before we get to the Boris five, the five primary free agents, and I'm going to ask you where you think each one of those is going to go. Bad news for the Orioles today. Kyle Bradish is out indefinitely with a UCL strain and they also, John Means is out uh, for an extended period of time. They're not sure exactly when he's going to be back. What's the impact of this?
4: Uh, An enormous one. This is very problematic um, because Buster, I think you'd agree with me. This is, this is one area of their team for which they don't really have that much margin for error. They're already operating the season without their like generational closer because of his injury and I mean, look, the, the Corbin Burns trade now looks even more valuable, but it obviously now reduces sort of his margin of error when it comes to being great and also amplifies the importance of Grayson Rodriguez, a former top prospect who now basically has no choice but to shove this year No margin for error. Because you've lost none. Yeah. You, you've you've lost the depth at that position that is required to win 100 games in that division. And so, like, Corbin Burns and Grayson Rodriguez are going to have to both be guys that are like either like in the Cy Young contention or at least down ballot for this team to approach that number again. This is still a playoff team, make no mistake. They're going to be able to find people to eat innings for them, make no mistake. But unlike their deep stable of position players, Buster, this team does not have, like, a deep group... Of, of pitchers in the minor leagues with which to pull from each of their top nine prospects on pipeline are position players so you could have absorbed an injury to a corner outfielder or, or an infield or a bat first type player you can't really afford to lose a guy who finished fourth in the Cy Young voting last season and in some sense you you lose the optimism should he not be available that you would go into a playoff series with feeling really good about every single start that you make and so Look, if I'm a fan of the Baltimore Orioles, today's a really bad day. I still feel great about my team. I've got myself a new ownership group. I've got these young studs in the field that I love. But but potentially losing Kyle Braddish for the entire season or even a prolonged period of time definitely puts a damper on a season. I think the Orioles are entering with as much expectation as they've had in a generation.
1: You know, it's interesting. As you were talking, it occurred to me that – uh, the, the the quandary that the, the Orioles are in now reminds me so much of where the Cubs were, another tanking team, you know, 10, 12 years ago, where they rightly focused through the analytics. You get the most reliable draft choices, right? You go take a, a Chris Bryant, you lock in on position players. But as time went on, they had an issue with their rotation. Like, how do you fill out those? And they made a trade for Jake Arrieta. Sorry, Taylor. Uh, you know, that worked out great for them. He becomes one of the best dominant starters. And then they spent a lot of money on John Lester to fill in one of those gaps. That's kind of where I think the Orioles need to go next. You know, Corbin Burns is a one-year investment at this point before he hits free agency. And that leads us perfectly into the conversation about the Boris Five. Uh, There are five elite free agents still on the board they're all Scott Boris clients this is not unusual he he'll, he'll wait and wait and wait and wait i've had other agents tell me that you know we've officially reached that time of year when you're waiting for injuries and a huge injury has happened with the Orioles. so let's start with the uh, jordan montgomery where do you think he lands uh in i free think agency? he yeah i think buster
4: I think Jordan Montgomery lands with the Red Sox. I felt strongly all this time that Jordan Montgomery fits very nicely there atop a rotation right now that has five right-handed pitchers. He is durable. I think he's exceedingly reliable. It's a very stable profile. I see a body type like John Lester and Andy Pettit that is going to age well into his 30s, and that is a team that is in need of not only making a splash – but getting a three or four-war season from a starting pitcher to give themselves a chance, I think Montgomery to the Red Sox makes the most sense. Blake Snell. I have attached Blake Snell to the Detroit Tigers, which might wow. surprise you, but when I'm looking up and down this rotation right now, I see very little reliability. Look, they're giving Jack Flaherty a flyer. They signed Kenta Maeda, and besides that, it's kids. It's Skeeball, it's Manning, it's, it's Reese Olson. The reason I think the Tigers and Blake Snell might be a good fit is because they might be a little bit closer than consensus might realize. There are some really exciting, young, cheap position players on their roster. And if a few of those guys have big year-over-year improvements, I think the only thing that would be preventing them from being a factor in the playoff race would be the lack of reliable pitching. And I think Blake Snell there where they have money to spend, presumably, or at least not, you know, a lot of money on the books is a really good fit coming off the season. He's coming off of, of course, pitching in a very pitcher friendly ballpark. I like the idea of the Tigers opening up their pocketbooks and signing Blake Snell to introduce them, their, you know, themselves and their fans to an area of competitiveness where, where they've not been in a few years, of course.
1: So I'm going to push back on this and I'll let Taylor be the tiebreaker. Uh, with the developments of today, I think Blake Snell is perfect for the Orioles and I'll tell you why. I mean, Jordan Montgomery, as we've talked about, you know, he's going to require a six or seven year contract, you know, Boris is going to shoot high. I, you know, based on talking with teams, I think Blake Snell is looking for a big salary. Uh, And maybe this would be a case where you could give him an aggressive three year offer, you know, kind of like the offer Trevor Bauer signed a few years ago and that way you know, you basically would be having him be the most expensive player on your team at a time when Adley Rutchman and Gunnar Henderson, you know, Jackson Holiday are still cheap. And when Snell falls off the board in three years, like I'm I'm thinking like three years, one hundred eight million dollars. Right. Uh, when those guys, uh, when when Snell falls off the board, it'll be about the time when you really got to lock into paying those guys. Taylor, what do you think? Yeah, man,
2: I and mean, we, we keep talking about it. This is this is the moment that they, they need to try and go out and seize even with Kyle Bradish's injury like they they, they got to do something to fill out this rotation. So I, I, I they were aggressive on the trademark with Corbin Burns. I like this idea buster. Uh, I would be so jazzed if they sign Blakes. Now, I mean, again and again, you've, we've talked about it a lot, but their payroll is still pretty low. I, I think it's at like 103 million. Um, I think it, I, I don't right. know where it is, but it's, it's up from like 26, you know, so it, but it's, it's not over 15. So they, they've got some room to spend. This Again, this is the time they've got guys on cheap deals. Let's let's do something here.
1: Yeah, and you're drawing a line between yourself and the old ownership, you know, run by John Angelos. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would distinguish the team and its direction going forward. And you'll still be able to, you know, because all of your position players are young and cheap, you still would be able to, uh, you know, put together a really good team, even if you're paying Blake Snell a lot of money. All right, JD Martinez, what say you? I like I like JD Martinez to Cincinnati. Now, that's a wow. team
4: I think that is on the come. Obviously, last year for much of the season, kind of a year ahead of schedule. But that is a very hitter friendly ballpark, especially to the side in which he thrives. And that is the opposite field. Like I can see JD Martinez um, blasting home runs into, into the right center field, uh, decade great American ballpark. And I think there are opportunities. There are, there are at bats to be had there. There's also so many young players and the wisdom and knowledge that he could impart on them, to me, is consequential. That is a fairly low-risk, fairly high-reward decision for a team that I think yeah. could use one more right-handed hitter. He absolutely mashes left-handed pitching and is a neutral against um, righties at the very worst. Like He's he's going to be a better hitter for you than Will Benson. Right now, it looks like Jonathan India might be getting a bats at DH. Who's to say they're not going to trade him between now and opening day? We know that's been a thing. I think that JD Martinez would make a lot of sense for a Reds team that is still sort of one bat away from emerging as a potential favorite to win the National League Central.
1: All right. Uh, quickly, Cody Bellinger, what's your guess? Uh, I
4: think the Cubs, I mean, they make the most sense. Yeah. They have a great partnership. He, he did a great job, you know, blending his skill with their analytics staff last year. There's no obvious reason for me to divorce themselves so long as the financials are there for both parties involved.
1: Yeah, I think they got to find a middle ground on the contract size. Uh, and Matt Chapman. Matt Chapman should be going to the Giants. I know they just signed Jorge Soler, but they have
4: the money to spend, and he's a good fit there. They like guys that can homer. He can hit 20 home runs for the Giants next season. They have a bunch of ground ball pitchers. Matt Chapman is still a gold-glove caliber defender at the position. He's not going to cost you an exorbitant amount of money. I think adding Matt Chapman to the Giants, which means taking J.D. Davis' spot at third base, is a two- or three-war upgrade and could go a long way into them being a playoff contender this season.
1: Dave Dombrowski, head of baseball operations, runs a team that you love, the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, He kind of mused out loud the other day about the possibility that maybe they could get involved in the free agent market. I don't see it, and it's not because the Phillies don't care and they're not willing to spend money. I think it's because they got to prioritize Zach Wheeler. What do you think?
4: I think you're right. Uh, Zach Wheeler is priority A, B, and C for the Phillies right now. He's going to turn 34 years old in May. But look, Buster, you've covered this game a lot longer than I have. Guys with, with with arms like Zach Wheeler, with fastballs like Zach Wheeler, age really, really well. And I think Zach Wheeler can live above the barrel through his 30s. And if he can find a deal for 30 or $35 million a year, say three or four years, that's an extension he might sign, and it's an extension they would offer him. However, we've also seen Dave Dombrowski pounce at opportunities to sign, for example, Kyle Schwarber and Nick Castellanos fairly late in the offseason because he recognizes his ability to spend is a market inefficiency. Do not be stunned if Zach Wheeler gets done, if a Boris client or two remain available, if he takes a swing just because he knows he can spend, and that gives the Phillies an advantage.
1: Yeah, and we all remember when uh, we were already well into spring training when Bryce Harper worked out a deal with the Philadelphia Phillies, John Middleton mm-hmm. making that happen. All right, before you go, I uh, wanted to get your opinion on the, uh, the, the, the what we heard from Jesse Rogers. The Major League Baseball is going to crack down on obstruction around the bases Uh, I got to say, this was one of those inequities that always made me scratch my head, where even after they changed the home plate collision rules, we still had second baseman shortstop dropping a knee on on, uh, base runners coming into the bag, Uh, and I thought that uh, this was something that's long overdue. What do you think?
4: I totally agree.
1: Buster, this has never made sense to me. I played baseball
4: all the way through college, and in high school, I I played shortstop. In college, all the way through, I played second base. I can count so many occasions in which I drop that knee, the throw is a little late, the guy goes in head first, the base runner goes in head first, so it's not going to hurt my hurt my leg and I drop that knee down and I tag him out and the umpire calls him out and every time the the base runner freaks out but every time the base runner could do nothing about it this was always in the rule book, but I've never really understood why no. it's within the parameters of the rules. Right. And so this would then naturally be get people throwing at other people, guys going in and hard uh, spikes first into the base to prevent this from happening. So it's definitely a safety issue too. But look, this is like, I played middle and field all the way through college. And it was something that I took advantage of as an infielder. And I never found it fair. If the ball beats you and the tag beats you, you know, like you're out. But if you—if that's not the case <laughs> and you wind up getting blocked you know, because the second baseman or shortstop or the third baseman is allowed to drop their knee, I've always found that to be a very bizarre thing within the set of rules and a dangerous thing within the set of rules. So I'm not sure exactly what necessitated it, Buster, but I say 100% I agree with you. This is long overdue, and as someone with experience playing the position,
1: I could never understand
4: why I was allowed to get away with it.
1: A rare instance in which you and I agree. All right, Hemmo, thanks for doing this. Later, friends. Chris Bochy is the manager of the World Champion Texas Rangers. Uh, Boch, you this is your fourth championship as a manager, but I bet you that doesn't get old to hear that.
0: No, it doesn't, Buster. I tell you, uh, you know, when we uh, you know when that last game, uh, the feeling never changes. You know, I, I was asked, does it get old? And uh, I mean. It's, it's just incredible when you go through something like that, especially the way we had to do it. They're all special, but you know, what, what we did on the road uh, as a wild card, it, it just amazes me still. And I, I say, you know, winning the world series, it, it's a gift that keeps on giving. I mean, what the fans did for us at fan fest, uh, you know, all the mail I've gotten, uh, the messages, um, and now we're, we're going to spring training and, you know, we'll, we'll fill it there. And of course, uh, we haven't gotten a range yet. That's coming up. So it, it's all special.
1: Yeah, so you teed me up perfectly. I was going to ask you about who you heard from during the winter. But before that, I'm, I'm going to absolutely sandbag you and tell you that when I asked Dusty Baker that very same question last spring, who did he hear, hear from after the Astros won the World Series, he gave me Sandy Koufax, Barack Obama, and Snoop Dogg. Boach, who uh, were who some memorable people you heard from?
0: gosh you know i i can't i can't top that as far as uh celebrities i mean i had some really good ones uh some good friends uh uh you know, you know brooks and don uh you know the best was uh was huey lewis uh, you know he's from the bay area so yeah friends there and he he actually uh got to manage a game against the cubs for us and so right when we clinched it uh, about an hour later I got a text from him He goes, hey Boach, what you been up to <laughs> it <was> just, <laughs> it, it's just his sense of humor and uh, so no it's good to hear from him but uh, you know all you know a lot of friends managers uh, you know it's it just it just keeps going and you know you try to catch up with everybody. So if somebody's listening, I did not get back to, man, I apologize. I, I think I caught up with everybody. Uh, but I'd, I'd say, uh, you know, Snoop Dogg, no, I, I didn't hear from him.
1: <laughs> well, I'm curious, Boach, in all seriousness, like I, because you've had a lifetime in the sport, uh, you're very well liked, you're very well respected. Uh, what would you guesstimate the number of text messages, text messages you that uh, that you got within 24 hours after the last out of the World Series?
0: Oh, I'd say six, seven hundred. Uh, it it was, it just kept going. Uh, you know, you, all the friends. Uh, you know, what's really cool is uh, ex players that uh, you know sent me texts uh, uh, from the minor league days when I managed there. I was hearing from them. Uh, you know, guys and you really haven't seen or heard from in a while, like a Linsencoma even Bum Gardner guys like that. And fourth Buster and, uh, um, all my San Diego crew, uh, the 98 team. I was hearing from uh, them, it, 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 but it just means a lot to you. It really does. Uh, uh, because you, you know, you, you play this game to win and try to win championships, but it, you know, ultimately it's about relationships and friends and, uh, and you just realize how many friends you have and how, how many were pulling for you. At least they were saying they were. And But <laughs> so seriously, uh, uh, that's that's what you know, makes it special for me.
1: All right, so spring training is right around the corner, the start of that. Uh, how much thought do you put in the, to the first time that you speak to the team? Uh, how do you prepare for that?
0: You know, I, I think it's ongoing during the uh, offseason. I mean, you take time off. I got away – I went down to Florida. I spent Thanksgiving uh, with my sister. She she lives in Amelia Island. And, and, uh, you know, I, I got some fishing in that's what I love to do. Uh, You know, redfish, uh, speckled trout and did some surf fishing, but, you know, you you get some time there and you're starting to think, well, what, you know, what, you know, what was it about last year that was, uh, you know, special or what, you know, what, what did you learn from it? Things like that. But, as it goes, uh, as winter goes, you pick up things that, you know, that you may want to talk about. Uh, you know, I've spent a lot of time with the family, but at the same time, uh, you find your moments, you talk to players, uh, you know, you, you'll get something from them. You may see something that uh, could be a, a, a movie or something, uh, or, you know, another, you know, the Super Bowl, for example, maybe something there, you know, but, you know, you try to, you know, Get better. That, that's what we're here for. You're trying to improve and uh, grow as a team. And so, uh, you know, I, do I have it down exactly? No, I, I'll be honest. Uh, you're still, uh, you know, thinking about the message you're going to get across. And we, you know, we're only a couple of weeks away from the full squad being in there. So, you know, as we speak now, I, I you know, I trust me. I've got thoughts in my head.
1: The last time that a team repeated his champions in Major League Baseball was 1998 to 2000 with the Yankees. Jim Leland said to me, Boach, about five or six years ago, he said, look, there's no getting around it. The hangover is real. And you know that you live that, uh, it, you know, in managing the Giants. You win the championship in 2010 and then 2012 and 2014. What have you sort of uh, ascertained about that? about trying to, you know, push the the rock back up the hill the year after you win a championship?
0: Yeah, a couple things on that, Buster. I, I, one is, you know, any adjustment that we think we may have to make as far as getting these guys ready, getting the pitchers ready, but there's such a fine line because you you got to be ready when that season starts. And, you know, that first month is going to be a tough month for us. I mean, we, shoot, I think we played 17 in a row and uh, play a lot of games in our division. And and so uh it's fine line between slow playing uh guys uh and making sure they're ready. I mean, we have some guys on the that are getting healthy, uh, they're two, three months away. I'm talking about the Grom, Scherzers, um, you know, Malleys, uh, those guys. Uh, but meanwhile, you know, it's a it's a big month, April, and uh, and I'll go into May too. So, you know, that part of it, but also the part that uh, you know, you don't ever want to have any complacency set in i mean just because you know you won doesn't mean it's automatic you're going to keep winning you some things can't change in our game and that's work we we got we got work to do and uh and you know i'm big on the fundamentals uh conditioning things like that but uh also you know we we, we got to be ready we got to be hungry we seen teams in our division improve uh uh so you know, you, you look at Houston. You know they they've done some things that make themselves better, and uh, it doesn't doesn't get any easier. But I will say, uh, in those years with San Francisco, uh, you know, in 2011, I really thought that we would win that division. We lost Buster early, and that's what really hurt us uh, as much as anything. Although we still were right there going into August, and then they caught up with us. But uh, um, you know, 13. You know, it, it just just goes to show. you, In thirteen, our pitching you know left us a little bit. It just goes to show you how difficult this is. A hangover, sure, it can be real, but you got to have your normal years from your 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 core guys. You you got to have the pitching come through for us, and you need a surprise or two. Well, you look at Duran, you look at Evan Carter, you look at some of these guys that you know, played a big part that we didn't think would play a big part in our season. And so that's what needs to happen. That's why it's so difficult to win a championship. You look at these teams that, you know, really go all out and you think, well, you know, they're going to win it. And I don't want to mention teams, but yeah, I think you can, you know, I think, you know, which ones I'm talking about. It's just not easy.
1: Yeah. And I'd say this, too, about, you know, when you talk about the hangover and, uh Uh, That sort of thing that the strength of your team last year, that great personality, the great professionalism uh, that that part of your team that allowed you to win all those road games in the postseason to me is would would be one reason why maybe the whole issue of hangovers not going to apply to your team when you you get great pros like Marcus Simeon leading your team.
0: Great point. It, it really is, and uh, it's such a, a even presence about our club. A very humble group, and so that's that's why I don't have any concerns about that. I really don't. Uh, I mean, they've been getting after it already. Uh, uh, you know, Marcus. He's not going to change his workout. Uh, you know, Corey just had to, You know, go through a little surgery uh, to you know fix a hernia, but it, you know he'll be ready. He's. Uh, Josh Young, uh, low uh Jonah Hyde, these guys, you know, they're, they're gonna they they're not going to change. it's who they are. So I have no concerns there on the pitching side. Uh, um you know, Baldy uh Ray Heaney, these these guys uh, you know, they they're, they're going to be the same. So that's what I like about going in this season Uh you know, nobody's full of themselves. No, you know, they're sure. They hopefully they're enjoying the, you know, the the celebration of winning the world series and they should, but uh, they're also ready to go to work uh, talking to them in the fan fest a couple weeks ago, a lot of them, they're, they're ready to go.
1: I bet you Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom wore you out uh, at the fan fest event in terms of like, okay, we're, we're coming around the corner here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Max, um, he's, I tell you, he's antsy he's moving around. He's, um, you know, that's who he is. And Jacob, I know, you know, he felt bad about, you know, what happened and not being available, but he was still available, uh, out, you know, out there in the dugout, uh, being around the clubhouse, uh, you know, just, you know, doing a lot to, you know, keep the players up through our ups and downs. And, and, uh, that's the way Max is too. And so, you know, he's, he's wired and, uh, but anyway, both of them, uh, you know, it's going to be like, You know, we acquire a couple of big free agents there at the deadline. Hopefully all goes well with their rehab and uh, they're good to go. You
1: mentioned Carter last year, played such a big role for you guys uh, in the postseason. This year, it seems like that Wyatt Langford, it could potentially be a guy who
0: helps you. Uh,
1: What do you hear about him? He's rated, as you know, one of the best prospects in baseball.
0: Yeah, Buster, I mean, shoot, the numbers don't lie. You look at what he did last year, it's incredible. I, I mean, he just flew up the trip away in every stop. he And yeah, the numbers were amazing. Uh, um, he's got a gift. Uh, tremendous makeup guy. Uh, yeah, he's going to be competing for uh, a position on this club. And that's, you know, where I think we showed this year with the guys that we brought up that, you know, we – I mean, we're not going to coddle these guys with, you know, if they're ready uh, shoot, we'll have them on this team. If they should be on this team and obviously, you know, starting versus sitting on the bench might, may uh, play a difference in some guys, but I I just think, uh, you know, this guy is, he's, he's that close. He's going to be in spring training. He's going to get a lot of my playing time. We lost our DH, uh, you know, with Mitch uh, Garber going to Seattle. So, um, we're we're gonna stay open minded uh, as far as uh, the guys that make this club.
1: All right, Boach. My gut is you're gonna take it year to year from here on out. But do you have any sense of how long you want to manage for?
0: No, I don't. I I, I really don't. Uh, I think that's fair to say what what you just mentioned. I'll uh, you know, see how I'm doing. See see how they're doing with me. Uh, both sides, but uh, I'll say, man, I still count my blessings. Uh, the fact that I, I got the chance to come back and, uh, not just, you know, come back, uh, with any team, but with this club It's such a great fit for me with CY, the front office, uh, um, the players, um, uh, you know, this coaching staff, you know, I, I just really, uh, got really fortunate for this to open up and, uh, when you take three years off, you don't know if you're going to come back. And I wasn't calling anybody. I didn't call anybody being honest. And, uh, and so it couldn't have worked out better. And never my wildest dreams that, you know, I think, well, I'll come back in the first year we'll win a world series. But I will say, I knew this was a talented ball club and, you know, with CY and Ray Davis talking about, you know, their vision and going out and getting pitching and uh, spring training. I said, this team's got a chance to make a lot of noise. I really thought we'd get the post season and you don't know what's going to happen then. And we saw what happened. So, I'm not as surprised as uh, a lot of people, you know, they ask me, uh, are you shocked? Uh, Well, once I saw the team, no, I'm not shocked. I I thought we would have a chance to do this.
1: All right, Boach. Always great to catch up with you.
0: Buster, great to catch up with you as always, and uh, I look forward to seeing you this spring.
1: You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes. Call one 800 directv or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions, plus their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Tori Lavello is the manager of the National League champion Arizona Diamondbacks. Tori, how you doing?
3: I'm doing good, Buster. Appreciate the time.
1: Yeah, thanks. Uh thanks for, for joining us. I when you and I talked the other day, you mentioned that you're, you're kind of thinking about your first message to the team in spring training. Tell me about that process. I was just talking to Bruce Bochi about that.
3: Yeah, I think it, it, it all it varies for every team. Um, you just you try to figure out what's going to be the right messaging. Um, you want them to have certain cues, some to refer to. And you don't want it to be too long. You want to make sure you hit it right for, for the moment. Um, the beauty of it is every manager, every team, every clubhouse has the same feeling and the same thought. That we're going to have when we walk into that into that environment on April, I'm sorry, February the 15th. So, hitting it right for me is 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 really really important. So I've been going over to the to the ballpark over Salt River, and you now just about our entire team is there. It's amazing. I just listen, pay attention, um, get get the sight sight lines for these guys, and and from that point forward, I'm going to develop a message. But I'm gonna I know what I'm going to start with. I'm going to start with. Um, let's not talk about expectations because we have raised ourselves to a certain standard. Let's talk about a standard. We know what it takes to get there. We have, we have, we have, we have tasted it and we have played at a certain standard. Let's maintain that and continue to enhance that and, and push that standard North every single day. And that's part of the process for us.
1: Sorry. Have you started to run that past players to sort of test that or will you test it with your coaches or, uh, you know, and maybe other people around the organization?
3: Yeah. You know, I, I subtly do it. I don't want to give away any of my bullets and and tell them what I'm going to be talking about. I want it to, I want them to hear it for the first time, but I do have an inner circle, you know, that includes Mike Hazen, Amiel Sade, Mike Fitzgerald, um, Ken Crenshaw, um, part of our medical team is a very trusted um, uh, person in, in my inner circle. So I'll, I'll give him subtle thoughts about what it's going to look like and, yeah, that you can tell by by their response that they're all kind of liking it. They're all kind of thinking that's the way we should look at things. Like we have raised raised the bar here, and with that bar should never lower. And we've got to stay hungry, and we've got to get after it.
1: So, in the years that I covered baseball, uh, I can't remember a manager on the downside of a World Series being speaking with such emotion as you did after it was over, and you made some reference to going off and eating ice cream. Uh, tell me about tell me about how, sort of how you how you came out of the, the World Series, because, I you know, I would hope uh, that, it you know, within a couple of days, you're like, man, we did great. Or did you did, did you land someplace else?
3: No, I, I eventually got there for sure, Buster. Um, you know, you, you get into this grind and it's it's the same thing every day and you're winning games and you're you're beating good teams and advancing. And and I was just continuing to. Uh, I was continually amazed at what we were able to do, and what we were showing. And now we wind up in the world series and it's every, every kid's dream. It's everybody's dream to call yourself a world champion. Um, we're in it for that reason. I guarantee it. And you ask 26 players on every team and every coach you're in it to win a world championship, plain and simple. Um, when you don't do it, there's just this natural letdown. Um, I feel like I let this community down. I feel like I let, the players down i let the the, the front office staff down um, and i was absorbing that and i was feeling that and i didn't want to i didn't want to compartmentalize it i wanted to let people know that i was sorry we we had a great year but it wasn't where we wanted to get to because we talk about winning a world series everybody does and i just popped out they said what are you what are you going to do and i said I just want to go camping, suck my thumb, and eat ice cream, and sit in the middle of that tent and do nothing. And I, I remember looking at at, at the um at at the uh the recorders, and I I said, was that a weird answer? Like, <laughs> did I say that out loud? Basically, is what I was thinking. But at the moment, I just wore my heart out on my sleeve, and I just said what
1: I was feeling. And I think a lot of people appreciated it, and they could align with me very well. So how did you kind of work through there? And did you have a a conversation? Was there a particular conversation that you had with someone that kind of moved you past that?
3: Yeah. um, You know, what's funny is the next day I went back to the ballpark. Uh, We did our exit meetings. Uh, I'm sorry, um, the exit PR. I got home, didn't feel good, took my temperature, had COVID. Got into bed. I don't know what happened, but I ended up getting COVID the day after the season. Oh my God. Yeah, it was crazy. It was almost like it was waiting for the season to be over and I was my body was fighting off. But yeah, I, I had a lot of really natural and deep conversations with my wife. My wife was who's been a part of my life, my baseball life, and it, it gives me great perspective. She sees she knows me so well. She sees me for today. And she's able to broaden the scope and see see the bigger picture. She knows me to the point where she let me absorb it for a couple of days, um, and then the ice cream did start to roll in from fans and friends.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, and, how much did you get?
3: Uh, we got we got a lot. We got a lot. And you know, I was thinking people people were putting their first name. You know, hey, Tori, enjoy the ice cream from Scott. And I'm like Scott. So I thought it was Scott, my buddy from the D backs, right? And I call up Scott. I'm like Scott. Thanks for the ice cream. He's like, no, man, it wasn't me. It was another Scott. So that that happened quite a bit. Um, But it was really, it was over ice cream where we started. I started to laugh a little bit um, and started to see the other side of it. And she said, just promise me you'll slow down enough to appreciate what you guys did. Because it was pretty remarkable. And she was emotional too. She was, she was sad. She was bummed. She was bummed because we didn't win. She was bummed for me. It's my sports system, but she was the one to open up the, open up the, the perspective and say, slow it down. And probably a week after I started, sort of look at it differently. And then I started to make some phone calls to the players to tell them how proud I was of
1: them. All right. It's not a secret that the Dodgers are the, you know, the the big financial terrain in the nationally West. So tell me how you've been processing what they've been doing this winter, the Otani, uh, the addition of Otani, the addition of Yamamoto, uh, all the bullpen changes that they've made, you know, re-signing as you you and I speak that we just got the news that Clayton Kershaw, not surprisingly, is going back there.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Not surprised by that at all. Um, Clayton Kershaw is, is, is a is a great Los Angeles Dodger and he deserves to to be back there. And I'm glad that that's part of part of um, part of his decision and where he's landing. Uh, You know, I will say this, not surprised at all. Um, The Dodgers are an unbelievable franchise with unbelievable players and they just keep getting after it and keep bringing unbelievable talent to that team and that organization. It's Freddie Freeman. It's, it's um, Mookie Betts, you know, the um, Otani Yamamoto and, and and we embrace that challenge here in Arizona. We talk about it. We we talk about some of the challenges that we have financially. We know that it's it's out there. We know the landscape. Mike Mike gives us the information. There's no surprises. We are who we are, and at the end of the day, we embrace it. And we consider it an unbelievable challenge in Arizona. We talk about having to do a lot of the little things, winning the margins. We we call it winning the inches. Um, And because they're all over a baseball field and when you prep right and play right and have great expectations that you're going to believe in what you're doing, you can go out there and do some amazing things. The Dodgers are the Dodgers. They're going to be a wonderful team this year. Everybody knows it. We have to play them X amount of times, Um, but we're not going to play them every game. And we got to go out and take care of our business, embrace this challenge. And not one person ever talks about payroll or what the Dodgers are doing in Arizona. We look at it from afar. We accept it and we move on because we are mostly concerned about what's happening inside of our world, inside of our clubhouse. Knowing if we take care of our business, we're going to be just fine.
1: Two more for you. You, uh, the big financial bullets that you guys spend this winter: Eduardo Rodriguez, Jock Peterson. Why those guys, and what, how do you see them fitting?
3: Well, the Eduardo Rodriguez one was uh, something that, that materialized really quick over the winter meetings, and um, you know, we we sat down and. I've been in I've been in those meetings with the players and the agents and, and sometimes they're as short as five minutes, seven minutes, and and this one went well over an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And we reconnected with Eduardo. We had him in Boston um, when he was traded over from Baltimore. We 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 raised him in Boston for his early big league years, and we all felt a very strong connection to him back then. And that connection and that bond, you could feel it and sense it over that hour and a half meeting with he and his agent sitting in Mike's hotel room in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, we knew that it was going to be a, maybe a little bit of a financial burden. We, I, I'm not involved in that. I know it was just listening, a fly on the wall. But we love Eduardo Rodriguez's makeup, his ability to compete and win baseball games. And for me, once we had the opportunity to sign him, it was a no-brainer. Jock Peterson, much in the same um, you know, we were looking for a DH. And if we had done this early in, in, in the offseason, we probably would have gone after somebody that could have been right handed. But with Gurriel's resigning, um, we got uh, Gino Suarez in combination with Moreno and, and Walker, some middle of the order right handed bats. It kind of shifted over to the need of, of us, uh, have, us having a need to bring over a left handed hitter. And when we started talking about it, Jock, we got on on a Zoom meeting. He said, look, you know, there's however many starting pitchers, right-handed starting pitchers in the NL West. He said, if there's 20 of them, 14 of them are right in my wheelhouse. I will have a monster year if I face these guys. And I heard that loud and clear. And Jock is a brilliant baseball mind. He is very talented. And I didn't know him. I just know him from him running around the bases, from hitting extra base hits from the other dugout. And there's a special player in there. We want to get that out of him. And we feel like we vetted that and he's going to fit right into our culture as well.
1: All right. Last one. I mentioned to you the other day, the thing that just absolutely jumped out at me being around your clubhouse was the absolute honesty that you could feel from you to the players, from coaches to, you know, players. And there's no point in getting into specifics that I saw, but tell me where that developed. And did you feel the same way? Because it's, it's pretty unusual, especially in this era where it feels like there's a lot of rear-end kissing. It feels like in a lot of clubhouse in your clubhouse jumped out at me in that regard. People were just dead honest.
3: Yeah, man, that makes me feel so good um, because we try to make a difference. We try to be different. And you, once again, you're talking about winning these little inches and in these margins. When you give players ownership in something – When you give players, a, make them a part of the, they're not gonna make every decision, but when you tell them to do something and they're able to ask why, and you give them ownership, I think there's an all in perspective that we walk around with every single day. We, the backbone of our our culture, it starts with love, trust, commitment, and effort. And you can ask the players if they feel that, I guarantee you they feel it from the ground up and it's a real thing. It's real because we talk about it. Those words we define, we talk about it, we define, then we give a meeting because everybody talks about, oh, be accountable, um, be adaptable. What does it mean? We define it. And these guys understand how important it is inside of our world. And really the the key for me is one of the first things I tell these guys when I sit down with them and I'll get ready to say it to them, remember what's important to you is really important to me. And you need to ask why, you ask why. And if I don't have an answer, I'll find it. So I tell our coaches, you better be prepared to answer the question, why, when you make a statement. And it becomes a situation where there's all-time buy-in, and it's very, very powerful. I came from a generation when Sparky Anderson told me to put my hat on right and do 10 push-ups. I did it. And I did it because I respected him, and that's how I was raised in this game. But the players are very smart, and they're very understanding, and they want to know why. And back then, I wanted to know why, too, but I was so intimidated that I never asked Sparky why. And I think we brought that along in our culture, finding out and asking why. All right, Tori.
1: Well, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate your time, and I'll see you in spring. All right, Buster. Have a good one, man. I appreciate the time as well.
0: This is The Numbers Game with Sarah Langs.
1: Sarah Langs, reporter-producer from MLB.com. Uh, it feels natural to have her on right after we heard from Bruce Bochi, her friend and manager of the Texas Rangers. Sarah, how are you doing today?
5: I'm doing great, Lester. How are you? Uh,
1: I'm doing well. I'm trying to keep, uh, you know, just to get through this show with Taylor because he's at about 100,000 feet in joy, getting the news about the birth, uh, you know, having the birth of his uh, daughter over the weekend. How did you hear
5: Uh, I saw on Instagram last night I felt so silly because Taylor had texted me hey, can you do the podcast at this time? And then a couple hours later I saw this and I was like how did I not congratulate him then but I've been no, now I know. And she is so, so adorable so happy for Taylor and Courtney and the entire family.
1: Yeah, I think that Maybe the sequence of that is, is Taylor learned from you how to bury the headline, Sarah. Okay. <laughs> Big news and not to tell you. Uh, yeah. You know what I mean?
5: Absolutely. I mean, that's something I would do, as we know. And, you know, focus on work. And I really appreciate that Taylor's even on today producing this podcast. No idea how he's doing that.
1: Well, He's just doing it for a day, and then he's headed off into uh, paternity leave, and and uh, we will muddle along without him. Uh, that's for sure. It does a great job. Sean, very capable of uh, of stepping in here. All right, Sarah, let's play the numbers game.
2: Number three.
5: Number three is 5.6. So, Pablo Lopez was already him an opening day starter for the Twins. I think it happened in January at Twins Fan Fest. And then the team made the official on, like, the absolute first day of strength training. And so I was looking into Pablo Lopez. And one thing that really stands out with how good he was for the Twins last year is that he had the largest increase in strikeout rate from by any pitcher from 2022 to 2023. And my guys with at least 150 innings in each season, and that 5.6, that's the percent point increase. You went from a 23.6% strikeout rate to 29.2%. And we know even if those exact numbers are long, maybe too many numbers then, anything in that 27, 28 plus getting to 30%, that's where the elite strikeout pitchers are. So this guy who had been a ground ball pitcher, more of soft contact, really became a strikeout pitcher last season.
0: Number two.
5: Number two is 35%. So I had to pick a uh, dark horse Cy Young candidate last week. And there were a bunch of rules and never received a Cy Young voter. Hadn't gotten one the last three years, whatever it was. I went with Tyler Glossow, because if he stays healthy, we know how good he can be, how much of a strikeout pitcher he is, and the 35 was his whiff rate last season. So he got swings and misses on 35% of the swings against him. That was the third highest rate in majors. Among guys to get at least 750 swings against them, only pitchers ahead of him, Blake Snell, who won the end off Cy Young, and Spencer who who is considered the best swing and miss strikeout pitcher in the game. So, we know health is a question, durability, but if Glass now is healthy, that is the level he is on.
0: Number one.
5: Number one is we'll go with one. So we have been talking throughout the offseason about how I watch as much winter ball, you know, winter league baseball, as I can, and I watch the entire league dome season in the Dominican Republic, and then this all culminates in the Caribbean Series, which this year was held the MLB Park in Miami. As the winners of all of the Winter Leagues throughout the Caribbean. They come together and play for the ultimate winner. This year's winner was Tiburones de la Guayra, which is from Venezuela. It was their first ever win for that team and the first Venezuelan team to win since 2009. And there was so much fun with this. So Ozzy Gann with the manager, he is now one of two managers to win a World Series and a Caribbean Series. The other is Tommy Lasorda, who won with Tigris Elise from Le Dome back in the 70s and, toward the end, not in the championship game. But in one of the final few games, there so with a no-hitter, Complete game, one guy, no-hitter. And it came from Venezuela, a pitcher named Angel Padron, with the second no-hitter in Caribbean series history. The other was in 1952, by a guy named Tommy Fine, who had been playing winter ball for Cuba that offseason. It was against Venezuela, so again, Ozzy Gann, two MLS, Will be no hitters from Mark Burley and this one now, and the pitching coach Carlos Zambrano, who threw one to his own. So now we're fully on full team head on MLB sets. They want to wrap up the uh, winter ball season for
1: Well, and I know how much you'd love that for sure. You know, I mean, what, what we did that event from my old high school a couple weeks ago, and you got the TV on. I could see the reflection in your face because you're watching. Uh, <laughs> Watching the winter league game. So uh, last week uh, we found out that was a presentation to the major league baseball owners about possibly having MLB players in the Olympics. And the moment that I saw this, Sarah was like, no way they're not going to, they would not cut into the schedule in that much of a significant way uh, and, and essentially give up home dates for these teams I mean, maybe it could work, maybe it couldn't, but it feels like we've been having a parallel conversation on the WBC. And the bottom line is, I don't think owners are going to give up the home dates that they have during the summertime when kids are out of school. What was your instinct?
5: Yeah, I mean, there's certainly a lot of logistical issues that way, but you know how I am on my dealistic, I'm optimistic. And the first thing I thought of was how much of a success the WBC was last year. I know there was a major injury with um of course uh, with uh, with uh, Puerto Rico and everything and the fact that that affected the Met season but overall the excitement for you know um international baseball and all of that was so high and we saw how much guys were into it so if there is a way to figure it out. I mean, whatever that may be, maybe a shortened season those years, I have no idea what's doable and what's feasible. We know the energy would be there, and so I would love to see it in some way, but I have no idea how you pull it off.
1: Yeah, and we saw how much the Dream Team helped out the NBA uh, in 1992, and, and maybe that you know, maybe that's the big picture view that the owners should have, but I, I'd say I'm, I'm I'm skeptical that the owners would give updates. We'll, we'll see how that goes. All right, let's play a rapid-fire round of the mm-hmm. Boris 5 and just get a guess from you as to where these guys are all going to go. Cody Bellinger, where does he eventually sign?
5: I feel like he ends up back with the Cubs in this one. It kind of feels like after the offseason has gone maybe a bit more slowly than he might have expected, I always tend to expect those players to return to a team that knows them, knows how the changes went. And all that is we've discussed. The Cubs still need one more big move, I think, to really justify the hype they comes with, what they did early in the offseason with getting Craig Council.
1: Third baseman, Matt Chapman.
5: Oh my goodness. I'm going to say the Giants just because I know my mom wants to hear him. We've seen some moves from the Giants lately. Obviously getting Jorge Soler would they spend money on another guy. I'm not entirely sure, but I would love to see him there. So I'll go with that.
1: Uh, Jordan Montgomery.
5: You know, I was thinking about the Astros yesterday and the fact that we saw that Justin Verlander is a bit behind schedule on uh, coming back from his, I believe, shoulder injury. They feel like the Astros might feel compelled to make a move. And that is one that feels like it can make a lot of sense. So I'll go Houston.
1: Lake Snell.
5: See, this is the one I keep struggling with. I want him to be on the mariners. I love the homecoming that team has not indicated that they're going to um, make a move like that so I'm really really not sure that whoever wants Montgomery doesn't get him or vice versa or something like that I I really really don't know I'm gonna flee in the feathers
1: <laughs> all right and lastly JD Martinez
5: I can see him any um on a team like the Cubs, if they don't get Bonder. Again, I'm expecting them to do something. Maybe that's the answer for all as well. And I'll use that just to say that I really expect them to do something else here in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah, especially since, I mean, if you say sign J.D. Martinez, he's a one-year guy, right? I mean, yeah. and that's the Dodgers' choice with him last year was based on the fact that they could invest a short-term deal. All right, Sarah, thanks for doing this.
5: Thanks so much for having
1: me, Buster. Jenny Kavnar is the new play-by-play voice of the Oakland Athletics. We got that announcement uh, yesterday. Jenny, congratulations.
6: Thanks, Buster. I appreciate it. Looking forward to baseball. Are you in spring training yet? It's not time of year. Let's go.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, the, that's the way it's supposed to work. So tell me who you've heard from since this news came down.
6: Oh, my goodness. I have been so overwhelmed and blown away. I mean, I'm just so humbled um, by this announcement, the amount of people that have reached out. I mean, I'll just start with like close family and friends has been unbelievable. And I'm still returning text messages. I got on a flight two days ago, or on Thursday, Tuesday, I should say, to um, fly to San Francisco to call a Warriors game on radio. And once I hit the plane, I had about 400 texts and I answered the whole plane ride and got off and I had 400 texts. So I am just so grateful um, for the kind messages. I hope to get back to everyone. But I think big picture, Buster, and you know our industry so well, um, I, I am so grateful for all of the managers, general managers, reporters, um, great, amazing hosts and writers like yourself, my colleagues around the industry who have reached out. I just, um, I am so so blessed by all those relationships, and um, it was really cool to hear internally from all of them. But then I just I have to mention Billie Jean King. I mean that was pretty. Uh, yeah, awesome.
1: that's what I was wondering. That's so cool.
6: <laughs>
1: yeah, that was pretty awesome. So, um, I, yeah, just overwhelmed. So tell me about hearing from her. Did you did Did you know her before? Did you know she had your number? How did she get your number?
6: Yeah, I mean, she just sent that tweet out. And it's um, not the first time, which is super cool. Back in 2018, when I called my very first major league game for the Rockies and the Padres um, in April of 2018, she actually tweeted that and that was the first time um, that I had heard from her and we had exchanged some messages, um, you know, via Twitter, and then I got the chance to meet her in person during the All-Star festivities in Los Angeles two years ago. So I have a great picture with her and had a really nice conversation with her. Very encouraging. And um, she's just such a champion for women, always has been, clearly. But it's amazing that as the decades fly by, she is so in tune with what's happening and continues um, to make waves in our industry.
1: Well, and I can't tell you're going to see her during the year because, as you know, she's a big baseball fan.
6: Yes, it'll be really cool to see her. Uh, at Dodger Stadium, I need to keep the schedule. Like I gotta get going on this. I gotta get my planner out, color coded, who I'm gonna get to see in what city. All the fun things.
1: Nice. So when did becoming a uh, when did it become a goal for you to be a play by play person in a for a major league team?
6: Yeah, you know, I think my goal was always to be a sports broadcaster, and um, when I set out to do that, and um, that intersected with a with a great love of baseball. You know, growing up with my dad being a longtime high school coach, baseball coach and getting the opportunity for my first job in the game in 2007 with the Padres, um, I was just happy to be there. I mean, I, I had no idea that that was something I was going to be made for. And um, as the years went on, you know, the gold grew. And I don't even think play-by-play was on my radar um, by the time I stepped foot back in my hometown in Denver, Colorado, to cover the Rockies starting in 2012. I um, had some really important people in my life. Our producer, Allison B. Hill kind of opened that door for me and said, let's do this. Let's try it. Why not? And it was Ryan Silberg and Corey Sullivan and Jeff mm-hmm. Houston, former players that I'm, I'm on TV with every day that looked at me and just gave me that confidence of like, yeah, you can do this. We talk baseball with you every day on TV and off TV. Like, we know you can do this. And so um, just trying to get the opportunities, get the reps, get in a rhythm of it. I mean, I'm still growing and I'm so grateful to NBC California for taking this opportunity and this chance and all the new relationships I have over there. Producer on air, behind the scenes, everyone has been so wonderful. And now I'm going from my great broadcasting family with the Rockies to get to join my really dear friend Dallas Braden in the booth. And you know, he grew up in Stockton with my husband Steve, and they've been dear friends for decades. And so I'm just grateful that I get the chance to um, have you know our relationship and our history hopefully shine through on camera and shine through in how we watch baseball, how we interact, our passion for the game um, yeah, it's going to be a really fun ride this summer.
1: So for me, you know, my dream job when I was growing up was to work at the New York times or the Boston globe. And I can remember the exact moment I was offered the job and the first person I called, tell me about, for you about that call when you get the offer, maybe it was in person, uh, and the first person you wanted to reach out to. Oh
6: my gosh. So many. I mean, I, I think obviously my parents, you know, they um, they instilled in me at a very early age that you can do anything and I don't think they knew that it meant this world that's opened up for us and so I think just always being there their support their love um, was super special and then you know just reaching out to people in our business that that have meant so much and, and really touched my life and then um a long way down the road of that. One of the first people that I told, but I really wasn't supposed to tell anyone was Kate Scott, who's the voice of the Philadelphia 76ers. I had a great opportunity to meet her in person. We've been longtime communicators on social media and texting and have a ton of mutual friends in the industry, but I just reached out and we went and got breakfast and I was able to share the news with her and have a moment of really just having her give me the lay of the land what's about to happen in my life and what this means and us to encourage each other. I mean, she's been through it uh, being one of the first voices in the NBA and Lisa Byington is so amazing. One of the first one, the first voice hired in the NBA uh, with the Milwaukee bucks. I mean, they have all been very dear friends and, and I'm so grateful for their support. And I was really excited to share that news with Kate as well.
1: All right, we all know with the A's, there's the the open question of uh, where they're going to play, when that all starts. I mean, I know you well enough to know you're focused on 2024 and uh, the current roster. As you prepared for this, give me a player or two you're excited to see the development of.
6: Yeah, you know, that's so interesting because everyone's asking – oh, what, what are you excited most about this job? And my answer is probably not going to be the answer that a lot of people would have, but I'm excited to be with a team that's young. This is something I have experience with. You know, the Rockies for the last decade, minus two years, haven't been to the postseason. They've had a lot of young players that they've had to develop. And I've enjoyed that process of getting to know those players Um, before they make their mark or the struggles they go through before they kind of turn the corner. So I'm really excited to get into that. But I think for me, it starts and ends with Zach Gellos. I mean, you look at a guy that didn't debut until the middle of July and the numbers that he was able to put up, the experience he was able to garner in Major League Baseball last year and then take that into the offseason and just go to work. And so when I get to spring training next Tuesday, I am gunning for him. I'm sure uh, anyone else who covers the Oakland A's as well but that's someone I want to get to know early and um, really excited to watch his game develop I'm also excited after, let's be honest when you look at the starting rotation right now for the Oakland A's like those are major league pitchers that they have on there I know some of them have struggled and they're looking for bounce back years you know Ralph Strickland what does he have left Alex Wood um but you know having that caliber of major league experience like I think they finally have a little bit of depth up there that hopefully some of these games are a little more competitive and um you know I'd be remiss to say like I'm excited to meet Mark Cotte after all these years I don't have a relationship with him but obviously I've had a long relationship with Bud Black and Phil Nevin and Dave Roberts and a lot of these guys that come from the San Diego uh you know portion of the country and they're all very close to him and have just been sharing wonderful things. So I'm excited to get to know Mark Kasse through the process.
1: Well, that's, that's awesome. Kotze is a great guy. Um, congratulations again, Jenny. And uh, I, I look forward to hearing you.
6: Buster, I appreciate you so much. You've always been such a big encourager in my career and um, just thanks so much for, for the time today.
0: Bleacher tweets.
2: All righty, Buster bleacher tweets for Thursday. And I got to say, this announcement here, Bleacher Tweets, will never ever be the same, Buster. We went into the off season, you know, we're trying to improve the pod, and you know, got some feedback from the listeners. And wouldn't you know, the Bleacher Tweeters want more Bleacher Tweets. They want more of themselves. <laughs> Can you believe it?
1: Oh, um, I totally believe it. You know, we get yeah. strong opinions all the time. We see them on social media all the time. So this will be great.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm excited. You know, we're going to oblige our cherished listeners here, and we are officially opening. The Baseball Tonight podcast bleacher tweet voicemail line. So now, instead of just tweet, you can still tweet, still send your tweets in, but you can also give us a call. Here's the number; it's gonna be in the show notes every single time. So if you know, it's not it's not a top of mind thing here, but uh, it'll be in the show notes. So if you're ever like, hmm, where what's that number again? Here we go. It is four zero six four zero four eight four six. 0. Do you recognize that area code buster?
1: Yes. 406 404 8460. That is a Montana number. How did you get that? It's the first <laughs> time I've seen it. Uh, the, the news of this that you get a Montana line. How did you manage that?
2: The magic of the internet and Google voice, buster. It's uh it's a great thing and I and I thought it was appropriate to uh to align the area code with your residence. So, will nice. make people see. So so like- there's
1: some voicemail box up in Billings or maybe up in Cut Bank, maybe here in Bozeman. But Montana number, I appreciate it. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, yeah. So call into the the voicemail line. Again, it's 406-404-8460. It'll be in the show notes. And uh, we, through the years also, we've had a lot of people be like, eh, I'm not really into Twitter or X or whatever we're calling it these days. And they're looking for like a good way to send a question. So if you don't want to tweet it, you don't want to, you know, chime in on the voicemail, you can email us at bleachertweets at gmail.com. Again, bleachertweets at gmail.com. It'll be in the show notes. We will keep it there. So send send a, you know, send your thoughts in. Try and keep your voicemails brief. I know that, you know, there's passion and uh, excitement from from people and they want to get their point across. But uh, you know, you you definitely have a better chance if you are succinct and uh, you know to the point. Uh, You know, no promises that your voicemail will be played on the air. But, you know, we we generally, you know, answer most Bleacher tweets. So I'm sure that the voicemails will not disappoint either.
1: Yeah. Well, thanks for doing that. I think this is going to be great.
2: Yeah, very, very excited for it. Again, the numbers in the show notes, the email addresses in the show notes, it will continue to sit there. Um, let's let's move to the tweets here. Andrew Campbell, our pal at Real Camp Drew writes in, Buster, myth or fact, the Yankees have to overpay way more than other teams in trades. No one wants to help the Yankees win number 28 and it seems like they always have to send their top prospect or give away more stock in order to land players on the trading block.
1: Uh, Drew, I I would agree with you. I don't think it has anything to do with other teams like, you know, having conspiracy against the Yankees saying we want to keep them from winning. But they understand that the Yankees have a lot more resources. So you can hold out, right? You can ask uh, Brian Cashman for the extra 10%. And that was a perception about the Soto trade that, you know, they gave up a pretty good, uh, you know, pretty good, pretty good group of players.
2: Zach Beeson at Zach Beeson 22 writes in Buster. I went to the Caribbean series final in Miami. I want that atmosphere at every ball game. Would love to hear Ernesto Jerez or Enrique Rojas on the podcast
1: sometime. Yeah, we'll do that sometime.
2: Super. John Lewis at John Four Aiden writes, and you're deluding yourself about Altuve as a Hall of Famer. Beltran had a Hall of Fame career before the scandal, but outside of the Astro bubble, Al- Altuve is seen as Shoeless Joe in Orange. Will writers
1: from New York or LA ever vote for him? What say you? So a couple things about that. Jose, first off, Shoeless Joe Jackson was among the players kicked out of baseball for throwing a World Series, right? Jose <laughs> Altuve was on a team where they stole... Uh, you know, they stole signals and relayed them to hitters. And all the evidence is Jose Altuve was a guy who was like, I don't want to know what the pitch is. I just want to play. You know, he wasn't really involved in that. Uh, I-, I completely disagree with you, John. I, I think he is going to get the Hall of Fame. He's going to finish his career with like 2,800 hits. You know, he's one of the great postseason performers of all time in his numbers. Uh, he's a goal glover. Uh, I, no, I-, I think he's going to get in.
2: Yeah, I mean, if unless you're, like, a salty Yankee fan. I mean, like, it's reprehensible that they cheated, but, like, I don't really care anymore, personally. And he's so much fun right. to watch. So um, let's go to our last And I do think of- it's important yeah. to say
1: this, and I've had this conversation with Astros players. Like, I do think the Astros took it to a place where other teams didn't. They advanced it to where other teams didn't, but they weren't the only team stealing signs. I think other teams are doing it more intermittently they had less of a refined system uh, less brazen than the astros did but it's it, it wasn't as if the astros were alone in doing this
2: already buster that is it for bleacher tweets your last standard edition of bleacher tweets again you can call the phone number is 406 404 8460 you can email us bleacher at gmail.com you can always throw hashtag bleacher tweets on your tweets that's the easiest way to reach out um, but you know, no preference there. I'm really excited to have this angle going throughout the whole season. Um, really, you know, I'm, I'm, we're going we're, we're basically saying goodbye here, Buster, because uh, I'll be gone for the next five weeks. I'll be back the Monday of, of uh, you know, before opening day. You are in excellent hands with Sean uh, and Adrian Zuleta as well. Sarah Abbott, you might be wondering where where the heck did she go? She's busy producing television shows right now. So you know, we, we probably won't be working for Sarah in
1: like five years. You know, oh my
2: gosh, she's a she's an absolute beast. You know, I taught her everything I know. But we can take credit for all her success. I think, Since she you know, <laughs> was forged in the fire of the baseball tonight podcast. But well,
1: thank you so much, and enjoy the downtime. Uh, if you're if you're you know doing a midnight feeding and you uh, you wanted some Orioles updates, just give me a text.
2: Absolutely, Buster. Really appreciate it. Thanks to all the Bleacher tweeters who have reached out and, and all the kind words from, from everyone involved with the show. Thanks, everyone. See you guys in five
1: weeks. All righty. And that's it for today. My thanks to Bruce Bochi, Tori Lavello, Sarah Hembo, Sean, and Taylor. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening. Stay safe. And remember, hate and inequality based on skin color is something we need to fight against every single day.